Welcome to the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy podcast. I'm Declan, the son. And I'm Jane, the mom. Enjoy a drink with us while we tell you some wild stories of the brutal and bizarre variety. Please keep in mind some of our stories might be upsetting to young or sensitive ears. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes, bizarre occurrences, and get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. To lighten things up, we like to end our time with a chaser. All righty, Mom, what are you going to be telling us about today? Well, before I tell you, I want to give a little shout out to some uh, friends of ours on another podcast, uh, the Raw Sugar podcast, which is hosted by friends Michelle and Lou. They have fun conversations on all sorts of topics, full of laughs. They joke around with each other, and they are unapologetically non-PC which I absolutely love because they say stuff that I feel deep in my soul and I know other people wouldn't say. So I really appreciate that they're just like, we're going to say it. And if you don't like it, that's on you, not us. So I really love that about them. But that is the Raw Sugar podcast. And on a side note, Lou does not like pineapple on his pizza. And so Michelle and I have a little war with him about the whole pineapple on the pizza thing, but that is a different side note. So, but as far as what story I'm going to be telling you about today, it comes from England and it is an older one from a few decades ago, but it was the first one to use DNA. So Ooh, a little history I I know about on this, this one. Too. Yeah. So I'm going to be telling you about that. What are you going to be talking to us about, and what drink did you bring to torture me with today? So the drink that I have, I just realized I don't have a name for it. Oh. The original cowboy is what I saw. Okay. So the drink I have is the original cowboy, and it's one and a half ounces of Pendleton or other whiskey. I use a wild turkey for mine. 70, not 75.75 ounces of fresh lemon juice, half ounce of simple syrup, topped with soda water. You can garnish with one cherry and a lot, uh, lemon wheel, but I didn't choose to garnish mine. You didn't garnish, okay. No, I garnished I with a lemon wheel. One of our drinks, <laughs> yeah. I garnished with a lemon wheel. I did not do the cherry because I didn't want to buy an entire bottle of cherries for just. Yeah. And I hate maraschino cherries. They're gross. I'm not going to eat it. It's just going to sit there. It's going to look dumb. So no cherry on mine, but all right. Are you ready to drink? Okay. Cheers. It's really good. It is good. I don't hate that. All I taste is the lemon. It's like a fizzy lemonade. Yeah. If you use like a bourbon too, it'll probably make it sweeter. I like bourbon, so I use bourbon. But. I didn't use Pendleton because I wasn't going to go to the store and buy a bottle of just Pendleton, so I just used whatever whiskey I think we had, which was mm. Jefferson or something. I don't know. It could have been bourbon. I don't remember because I didn't read the label. It was brown. <laughs> so to go with this, uh, my story is about cattle mutilation. <gasps> Ew. Yuck. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a very oh. brutal, 
bizarre, but it's m- more bizarre than brutal, I think. Okay. So Tell me get into about it. it, I think. So all across the country, a very strange phenomenon has been taking place over the last few years. Some cows and bulls have recently be some cows and bulls have recently been found dead and completely drained of their blood, with some random body parts missing. Our first story comes from Sylvie's Ranch out in eastern Oregon. A ranch hand was doing a count when he noticed they were missing one of their prize breeding bulls. Breeding bulls can foster a lot of money for most ranchers, like with most breeders going for around six grand and uh, not to mention all the calves that they can produce. So that's another like you can't really calculate how much money that is. That's a lot of money. That's true. So the ranch hand decided to take a look around the property to see if his bull was lost. While driving around, he spotted his prize bull laying in the middle of a field, but he could tell something was wrong. When he approached the bull, he noticed the animal looked deflated like a bad clown blowing an animal balloon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The bull was obviously dead, and when he saw that, he immediately radioed vice president of the ranch, Colby Marshall. Marshall rolled up to see something he'd never seen in all of his years of ranching. His prized cattle had been fully drained of its blood. It was missing an ear, an eyeball. <gasps> Jaw, flesh, tongue, lymph nodes, <gasps> genitals, and a rectum. Oh, yeah. no. That poor bull. The bull was the first of five cattle that were mutilated in similar ways that summer. Wow. Since the cattle is worth so much, an investigation was started. Started, However, the FBI made no comments since the event took place in 2019. Oh, if you have any, If you have any information, Sylvie's Ranch is offering a $25,000 reward for information about their murdered cattle. So get in touch with them if you know anything. But this is not the only case of bizarre livestock mutilation. The earliest known documented case of animal mutilation takes place in 1606 in London. Wow. Long time. Shepherds. Shepherds in the area had a meeting about herds mysteriously dying with their fat and vital organs missing, leaving the meat and coat behind. The outbreak was noted in the official records of the court of James I of England. Another very bizarre animal mutilation took place in Alamos, Colorado. On September 9th, 1967, Agnes King and her son Harry reportedly found the dead body of their three-year-old horse, Snippy. The horse's head and neck had been skinned and defleshed, and the body displayed cuts that, to King, looked very precise. No blood was at the scene. According to Harry and Strong medicinal odor was in the air. Ooh, weird. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm guessing Ew, well, what hospitals smell like. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You can definitely smell that smell. It's gross, and I don't like it. Yeah. 
So later in 1974, a farmland in Lancaster County, Nebraska, farmers spotted unidentified helicopters shining lights into their fields. Oh. The next day, a mutilated cow was discovered in the same field the helicopters were spotted in. Oh. Farmers reported this to the police, who contacted FAA about the vehicles. Neither FAA or the National Guard were aware of the helicopter. Did they now, hear a helicopter about... or just see lights in the sky? They saw and they said that it was a helicopter, but it didn't have any like identifications on it. And okay, there wasn't really anything to tell whose helicopter it was. Like normally, when you okay. see a helicopter, it's got like numbers on the side or something right. like this. Yeah. Just identification. Okay, sorry. So. Let's talk about the characteristics of these mutilated animals. Almost all animals in these cases are completely drained of blood with no blood in the immediate vicinity. Cuts oh. made on the animal have the precision of a surgeon. And for the snippy, like the snippy horse case, no animal tracks were found around the carcass up to 100 feet away. Not even the horse tracks. Oh. So he just... oh. Got there without any tracks. Yep. Just was placed <gasps> there almost. Wow. So there, were, there weren't any horse tracks. However, several indents in the ground were found around the horse. And bushes in the area were uprooted or completely flattened. So I have a question. Yeah. Was the horse in its, like, normal region, like, from one pasture, one side of the pasture to another pasture? Okay. Yeah, it was just out in the open on their farm. Okay. When samples of these animals were sent to laboratories, it was discovered that they contained bacteria that was not normally present in animals. For one of the cases, yeah. the cattle's liver and heart were left behind, and it was described as their texture being similar to peanut butter in a grocery bag. And they had a white hue. So they're just squishy, oh. like nasty oh. shit. Yeah. Oh, that's gross. While there's no known reason for these mutilations, some have speculated that either the government or satanic cults may be involved. Beliefs held by proponents of the cult, hypothesis vary but may include that the apparent absence of blood at mutilation sites may indicate cult members would harvest it, the organs have been removed from cattle for use in rituals, and that unborn calves have been harvested from mutilated cattle. The hypothesis that cults were responsible for the cattle mutilation was developed by the U.S. Uh, in the 1970s and 80s at a time of growing national concern over cults. I think that was around the time of the Charles Manson stuff, right? Mm. 70s and yeah. 80s. Yeah. yeah, and 60s. The ATF and FBI were tasked on connecting the mutilation to cults. However, no evidence was prevent. Uh, however, no evidence was presented to imply cults were ever involved. No one knows how the cattle is dying, but if you have a theory or idea, please comment down below and let us know your thoughts. Wow. Yeah. Pretty now, gross. I've. It's super gross. I've heard of things, you know alien wise that might have caused it and they all seem to carry the same characteristics like no blood 
no genitals, missing organs, and deflated. I don't yeah. I, know how I that I didn't happens. mention the, the alien aspect because that yeah. that's what everyone's thinking. That That's what I'm yeah. thinking. That's what's implied is that <laughs> they're abducting yeah. cows like every single depiction of aliens. Every time yeah. you see a picture of a UFO like drawn in a cartoon or anything, it's got a, it's abducting a cow. Right. They're so. pulling up a cow. Little black and white Holstein cow. Uh yeah. question in your research. You didn't it was all like farm type animals, right? There wasn't any like home so, animal. No, not not any evidence of like cats and dogs and shit, but there okay. there was horses, sheep and cattle were the main main things that i've seen okay yeah i I don't like it i i think there actually may have been a couple like home pets but i oh i hope not i I don't want i'm glad you didn't tell me any of those because i don't want to cry i didn't see any articles particularly talking about that that were able to like that, that most of it was just like oh this it happened to this guy instead of like a whole story around it so okay. also don't want to talk about that so well no good thank you yeah. <laughs> i mean not that cows and horses and sheep and goats and whatever that people don't love those too but i don't have a personal attachment to any of those type animals <laughs> yeah so. we don't own any farm animals so no we do no them never have exactly haunted places Cursed items, urban legends, unsolved mysteries, cryptids, omens, conspiracies. I bet I had you at haunted places, didn't I? The paranormal, the surreal, and the mysterious is the chewy center of our intellectual chocolate, and the Oddity Shop podcast is here to bring it to you, and so much more. The Bazaar is always on sale here, so join your curators, Kara Perakovic and Zach Palmer for an unforgettable ride into all things strange. Episodes are released every week, but don't wait. Head over now. Hellhounds, doppelgangers, shadow people, the curse of the Hope Diamond. There is so much here and so much more to come. All links to their show will be in this episode's description. So subscribe and creep it real, you oddballs. My story is about Colin, Colin Pitchfork and the use of DNA. We've all heard about DNA, and it's become a huge topic of discussion in our culture. Think of all the people you've heard talking about 23andMe or Ancestry DNA testing and the different websites. Maybe you've even taken one of those tests yourself, but do you know when and how DNA was first used in court? This is a story about when DNA was first used in a murder investigation and how it helped one man while uh, also catching the real killer. Colin Pitchfork was born on March 23, 1960 in Bristol, England. He was the second of three children with an older sister and a younger brother. There's not much known about his life growing up except that he felt emotionally neglected by his parents and he believed his siblings were favored by the parents over him. 
all the sources I found didn't really talk about much of his early life and didn't go into too much detail about him per se. He left school in 1976 and became a baker at Hampshire's Bakery in Leicester, England. I don't know if I pronounced that right because it's not spelled like Leicester, but that's how I heard it pronounced in numerous sources. So, Lester. Lester. At the age of 19, Pitchfork indecently assaulted a teenage girl, but he was not caught for this crime. A while later, he met Carol, who was a social worker, when he was volunteering at a children's home. The two were married in 1981, and the couple later had two sons, one born in 1983 and the second in 1986. In November 1983, Linda Mann was walking home from one friend's house to another. Sorry, she was walking from one friend's house to another. She wasn't walking home. She was a 15-year-old schoolgirl who is described as bubbly and happy-go-lucky. She was in her last year of school and wanted to travel the world. That night, Pitchfork was caring for his infant son, and he was driving around town. He spotted Linda while she was walking. He parked his car, leaving his child in the vehicle, and he exposed himself to Linda. Scared by this, she ran, but Pitchfork chased her and managed to catch her. He raped and strangled her using her own scarf so she wouldn't be able to identify him. Her body was found the next morning off a nearby path. Yeah, he's a real peach. Pitchfork was actually questioned regarding Linda's murder, and he didn't have an alibi. But police didn't consider him a good suspect because he had a baby with him that night. So they thought he wouldn't commit this crime because he had a baby with him, and he's not going to leave the baby to rape and murder a young girl. So they were like, eh. He doesn't have an alibi, but we don't think he did it. Yeah. I, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Police were able to get semen evidence from her body, but were unable to make a match with anyone. Linda's case was left open, but there were no solid suspects. In 1985, Pitchfork committed another indecent assault on a teenage girl. This time he threatened the girl with a screwdriver, but again, he was not caught. In 1986, 15-year-old Dawn Ashworth was walking home from a friend's house. Pitchfork was driving through the area on a motorbike when he saw Dawn walking home. He stopped the bike and exposed himself to Dawn, who ran in fear. Again, Pitchfork chased his victim and grabbed her. He raped and strangled Dawn, just like he had done with Linda, and he hid her body under some brush nearby. Unfortunately, she wasn't found for two days, though. This time, Pitchfork wasn't on anyone's radar, but a local man was, a a young man. He was 17 years old. His name was Mm -hmm. Richard Buckland, and he was questioned regarding Don's murder. For some reason, and I don't know why, they never said in any of the sources I looked at or listened to, um why he knew some details about her body, but they weren't public knowledge. So they thought, okay, this guy knows some details. So he had to have done it. About a week later, he confessed and he was arrested. The police had the 17 year old, the 17 year old who 
Okay. For some reason. And I don't know what the details were and I don't know why he knew them, but apparently he knew some details and law enforcement said, well, if he knows these details that we haven't released to the public, then he must have done it. Um, okay. Yeah. The police had been using blood typing with forensic evidence um, for decades. However, DNA fingerprinting was a new technology. And in fact, several doctors at the nearby university had just developed DNA profiling, uh, as well as a technique for extracting and separating DNA samples. So this new technique allowed them to take the victim cells and the perpetrator cells and separate them so that they could substantially identify these new techniques were critical in determining that Linda and Dawn's murders were committed by the same person. Luckily for Richard Buckland, it also proved that he did not commit either crime. And three months after his arrest, he was finally released. So even though he confessed, falsely confessed, they realized he didn't do it because the DNA didn't match. However, this left the police with no suspect, so they turned to public appeal and asked men to voluntarily supply a blood or saliva sample. Around 5,000 men supplied samples over a period of six months, but no suspect was identified. That's a lot of people. Uh, Okay, but to be fair, if you're a citizen who has a serial killer and rapist, what? If the police sent out a memo saying, like, hey, we're asking for random blood samples, why would you ever put yours in? (laughs) Right. Well, here's the thing. He didn't. Pitchfork didn't do it. He didn't submit his sample. That's what I'm saying. Why would he? Yeah. Why? He wouldn't, of course. (laughs) But, okay, if you think about the time, uh, this is the first DNA case. People didn't really know about DNA back in the mid-1980s. I mean, it hadn't really been... I mean, this was like the beginning of the discovery of DNA. They knew blood typing existed, but blood typing could be anyone, you know? I mean, they convicted people on blood typing, but it it wasn't anywhere near as accurate as DNA fingerprinting obviously i don't know it it seems dumb for them to ask and just hope that he'll <laughs> i know give right. it to them but i mean honestly he people probably thought well they can't they're gonna have this giant pool of people but anyway he didn't so he figured it out <laughs> he was like i'm not gonna submit my dna yeah a <laughs> year after dawn's death <laughs> A man named Ian Kelly was overheard in a pub claiming that he supplied a DNA sample for a coworker several months before. This incident was reported to the police who questioned Kelly and learned that he had supplied the DNA sample for Pitchfork. Pitchfork had removed his own photo from his passport and replaced it with Kelly's photo. Kelly then used the passport as his ID when supplying the DNA sample. Pitchfork was arrested for the crimes and he confessed to both murders as well as the previous indecent assaults that he had gotten away with. He further confessed to over a thousand episodes of indecent exposure over the years. This guy was flashing his junk to everybody. Damn. But, 
I mean, he's only tied to these two murders. So, and in both cases, there's a weird timeline link that I, I didn't see anyone else discussing, but he had a baby around the time of both of these murders. Both his children were born in 83 and 86, and that's when the murders occurred. And other years, he just... And also these two girls were, he said they ran from him. And the fact that they ran from him, he thought they could identify him. But he didn't physically attack any of the other victims. So I don't know. Just got too stressed out from the baby, I guess. I don't, maybe. I had a psycho break. Yeah. In 1988, he was convicted of the rapes, murders, and decent assaults, as well as the charge of perverting the course of justice by having Kelly take the DNA test for him. He was sentenced to life in prison. There were some additional sentencing, like 10 years for this, 10 years for that. But bottom line, he was sentenced to life in prison. Uh, Surprisingly, he was released on parole in 2021. But his parole was revoked two months later because he kept approaching young women and he wasn't supposed to do that. Fucking dummy. Uh, He is up for another parole request this year of 2023. But I didn't see wet like one month or anything like that. So there's a chance that he could get out again in England. I hope not. Yeah, I agree. I hope not. I mean, I hope that the parole board has realized that, you know, he didn't, that leopard didn't change his spots. So he was still doing shit he wasn't supposed to. Yeah, not good. Crazy story. Yes. Well, do you have a chaser to tell us about today? Yes, I do have a chaser. My chaser is a movie recommendation for all my action and suspense fans out there. Everyone should go check out Law Abiding Citizen with uh, Jamie Foxx and Gerard Butler. It's a a good movie. movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but it's a good movie keep you on the edge of your seat the whole time that's yeah that's for sure i remember liking it i don't remember all of the details so i could probably watch it tomorrow and it would almost be like a brand new movie to me it's uh, i i watched it two like two days in a row because it was so good i wanted to yeah like rewatch it and catch any details i missed yeah that's yeah, a good what about you it's a good movie what's your chase My chaser is an Easter-themed chaser. So British police have saved Easter. They apprehended a man who stole a semi-truck that was full of chocolate candy. Among the stolen items in the truck were over 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, I used to love those when I was younger, but I couldn't eat one now. They're way too sweet. But I, 
they were pretty tasty, but the total price tag of the merchandise inside the truck was around 40,000 British pounds or approximately 48,000 US dollars. Oh, damn. Yeah. That's a lot of that's a lot of Cadbury that's, cream eggs. I know, right? <laughs> 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs that were almost lost forever. <sighs> You would never eat another one of those again if they successfully got away with that. Oh my Just god! Cadbury yeah. cream. <laughs> well, it definitely makes you wonder. Like, did the guy know that the truck was full of chocolate? I I, I, I wonder that. Or did he it. think like, it was? Hopefully, it's full of something. Right, electronics, something that I can sell on the market. But no, he got <laughs> chocolate cream eggs i'd like to imagine that he if he did successfully steal it he rolls into the pawn shop with two hundred thousand cadbury cream eggs he's like <laughs> how much can i get for this <laughs> oh you know it's probably in crates and boxes and so maybe he took it to like one of those auctions where you can just buy a a pallet of stuff and you don't know what's in it. Could you imagine oh, you pay like $2,000 and it's a mystery box and you open it and it's just full of fucking chocolate Cadbury cream eggs. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad. I'd be really funny. You'd have a good story. <laughs> I would prefer not Cadbury cream eggs because they're just too sweet. I can't. I just can't eat them. I don't know how I ate them when I was a child. The texture is nasty. It's just like icing inside of an egg. I know. I loved it when I was a kid. God, those things came out and I was like, yes. If you're, if it's Easter time, if you're listening right now and it's Easter time and you buy Cadbury cream eggs over a bird's nest, you're crazy. Oh, I agree. The bird's nests are way better. Bird's nest the is Russell the best Silver bird's Easter nest. candy. Yep. Yeah. Throw away the jelly beans. Those are those are garbage. But the jelly beans yeah. that are on the eggs nest, yeah, that, they're I like that was, rocks. I forgot they were in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're gross. They they literally they're like petrified. I think they got jelly beans from like ten years ago and just like threw them <laughs> on there. Yeah. Oh, those bird bird's nests are good though. They are good. They are good. All right. Well, I think that just about wraps us up. It does. Thanks for telling me that really gross story about those poor animals. All the farmers out there, watch your cattle extra hard. No kidding. Yeah, I don't want to end up with their buttholes missing and drained of blood. (laughs) Nobody wants that. Nope. All right. Love you, Mom. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening and supporting our podcast. We would love for you to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to give us a five-star rating, we would forever be grateful. You can contact us at our email via thebrutalandbizarre at gmail.com or on our Instagram at thebrutal underscore bizarre underscore boozy.